Welcome to the Thyroid Fixer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and we're diving deep into the world of hormones, especially for all you fierce women in perimenopause and menopause and anyone dealing with hypothyroidism. If you're struggling with weight gain, you feel like shedding those pounds is an impossible feat. If you're dealing with plummeting energy levels, gut-wrenching fatigue, or a libido that seems to have left town, then you're in the right place. And don't even get me started on the hair loss. If these symptoms are sounding all too familiar, you sound your tribe. Welcome, because my goal is to educate, empower, and shake up your world. I want you to embrace every inch of that badass woman that you truly are. So if you're ready to dive in and fix things, let's get started. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Today's episode is all about hair loss, and you're going to be hearing from a guest of mine very shortly, and we're going to deep dive into many different facets of hair loss and provide an answer of something that you can try, multiple things you can try. First of all, we have to lay down the foundation and really go over all the different things that can interfere with hair growth and the hair growth cycle and hair loss in general, or just crappy hair syndrome, where your hair gets all dry and wispy like mine did. When we're looking at hair, just like almost anything else, we have to start with the thyroid. So if your thyroid gland is hypo, it's not being treated properly. Maybe you're not diagnosed. You are hypo low and slow or you have Hashimoto's. If you are not optimized in the thyroid realm, right? And you've heard me talk about this a ton with the different lab values and where you should be optimally and where your medication should be. Like if you're only on 30 milligrams of armor, that's probably not enough. If you're only taking five micrograms of T3, that's probably not enough. So you want to be optimal in the thyroid department because the thyroid controls the mitochondria, controls cell turnover, it controls your metabolism. And when we're talking about metabolism, we're not just talking about the burning of body fat. We're talking about all cell turnover processes. So when we look at the hair and the hair growth cycle, it goes through a growing phase, a dormant phase, and a falling out phase. Now, those phases are set to be a certain time. Each phase lasts approximately two to four weeks. As you are in that hypo state, you're low and slow those phases can really stretch out. So what you end up seeing is very low growth, very low and slow growth, slow cell turnover. That dormant state lasts for a long time. So you might not see hair loss right away, but as you move very, very slowly into that hair loss phase, it can seem like weeks and weeks and weeks that your hair is just falling out, falling out, falling out. 
Now, the second part of that, I mean, could you be losing more hair than usual? Absolutely, because there is the inflammatory component. When your thyroid is not functioning well, you're going to just be in more of an inflammatory state. If you have Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune, you're going to have that autoimmune inflammation. That will absolutely affect the hair follicle and the hair shaft. So not only are you getting more slow turnover, you're also inflaming the actual hair shaft. Now there's the circulation aspect that my guest Nick Andrews and I are going to talk about today. That circulation is a huge component when it comes to the quality of hair and hair growth. Without proper circulation, the hair and the nutrients are just not getting to the hair follicle itself, not getting to the shaft. And you're going to experience more falling out. You're going to experience more thinning of that hair shaft, thinning of the follicle. Circulation is hugely tied to the thyroid because the thyroid is the master gland that's going to control your overall circulation. That's why even your body temperature, right? You get all cold and you have an intolerance to cold. That slows down. Once we start optimizing you, I'll hear from my patients, hey, I'm actually warm now. I'm more comfortable. That cold intolerance went away. Part of that is the circulation aspect. So when we focus on the thyroid, we start there. And that's going to check a lot of the boxes down the way that are tied into hair loss and hair quality. Next up, we look at hormones. So you've heard me talk about estrogen being very, very important. And if you look at old ladies who have not done hormone replacement therapy, I call it see-through hair. They have that see-through hair where you can see their scalp. That's not good. That is low estrogen. That's low hormones. That lack of hormones has literally caused their hair to become very, very thin and very, very wispy to the point where basically you can see their scalp. That's mainly low estrogen, but it's also going to be tied into testosterone. Now, when we're talking testosterone, we can be talking high or low. So too low testosterone is going to affect your hair and too high of testosterone, depending on whether or not you convert to dihydrotestosterone or DHT. DHT is a hormone that that's what causes that male pattern baldness. But in women, it will cause more of a balding at the, the crown, like your back crown and that overall hair thinning. So that's elevated DHT. Testosterone can convert to DHT, which is why we test both on you. Especially when we first start hormone replacement therapy, I like to get a baseline of where that DHT is. And then after starting testosterone replacement, we retest that DHT to see if it's elevated. Now, SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, you've heard me talk about that a lot that will sometimes bind to DHT. So if you have a high SHBG and a high DHT, that might not be a huge issue. It all really depends on where your SHBG is falling. I like it under 200 if your DHT is high. I know I'm throwing out a ton of numbers for you. You might want to take notes. I like it under 200 regardless. So that's where I would add in bedroom fixer to lower it if it is over 200. I really would prefer it. Optimal DHT is 60 to 80. If you have a high DHT, you can get away with having a little bit higher SHBG. So really under 150 would be optimal. If you're 150 to 200 or above 200, that's where you have to add in bedroom fixer. So we look at all of those components. Then we move on to protein intake, lifestyle, nutrition. And Nick and I talk about this, so I'll be brief here. If you are not getting enough protein in, and that is one gram per pound of lean body mass, we talk about this as it's associated with fat loss. It's absolutely associated with hair loss and hair quality. 
Hair is made up of amino acids. Now taking an amino acid supplement is great, but it's not going to be the be all end all. If you are deficient in protein or if you are a vegan or vegetarian, you are not going to get the amino acids that your hair needs to grow, needs to be strong and healthy and thick and vibrant. That's why I always joke, if you go to Whole Foods and you look around and you see the people working there, half of them are vegetarian and their hair looks like garbage. It's thin, it's wispy, it's dried out. They're not getting in the high quality amino acids needed for good hair quality. You need the protein. You need all of the vital nutrients. So if you are eating the standard American diet and you're high in processed food, you're high in sugar, not only is that going to cause an inflammatory response in your body, which is 100% going to affect your scalp and the hair follicle. It's also going to drive up insulin. That's inflammatory as well, but it's going to put you in a nutrient deficient state. If you're eating a ton of garbage, there's no way that you are getting in high quality protein or high quality nutrients, all the other nutrients that your hair needs. Your hair needs B vitamins. It does need some biotin. Now taking a biotin supplement, not the be all end all, but taking a full spectrum, high quality nutrient supplement, beef organ supplement, really high quality multivitamin or multimineral, that is going to be key. That is absolutely going to help with your overall nutrient status of your body. Iodine. Iodine is hugely important. You've heard me talk about it a multitude of times. It's vital for every cell in your body. It's vital for your thyroid. It is vital for your hair. We have heard multiple anecdotal stories from David Brownstein, from the book that I always recommend, The Iodine Crisis by Lynn Farrow. In there, you will see tons of studies of people regrowing their hair or that their hair loss stopped after using iodine, not on your head internally. What else? Stress. Stress is a big one. Stress is huge. Nick and I talk about that as well. You'll hear him talk about that. So we break that down. High cortisol, high stress. So if you are under a lot of stress, whether it's physical, emotional, you're exercising too hard, you're killing yourself at the gym, you're not eating enough, you're intermittent fasting too long, or you're just basically in an anxious, depressed, stressed out state all the time, that will start to affect your hair. And we bring up the days of COVID. Think about when you had COVID, that was a huge stress response on the body, big cytokine storm, big inflammation storm. And you saw that hair loss about three months later. That is how stress affects it. So whenever we see the stress effect on hair, it's usually from something about three months ago, although it can be that ongoing stress that low level, ongoing, day in and day out kind of stress. So we have that factor as well. And the last thing to mention is ferritin. We talk a ton about ferritin levels. If your ferritin is low, it absolutely will contribute to hair loss, as will low zinc, low copper, all of those low nutrient states, which kind of ties back to what I just talked about, about the standard American diet, high inflammatory foods being consumed, low nutrient status. If you are low in those nutrients, iodine, zinc, even magnesium, copper, that will absolutely affect your hair. But ferritin is that marker on your iron panel that we want to look at. And you really want to be 60 to 80 with your ferritin. In Hashimoto's, we say 80 to 100. I have a totally separate episode just on ferritin. We dive into that and talk about how low ferritin levels can actually overlap and mimic a low hypothyroid state. So whether you have hypothyroidism or you decide to combine that with having low ferritin as well, you're kind of hitting your hair with a double whammy. Not eating enough protein is going to be a triple whammy. Maybe you're exercising yourself to death and intermittent fasting yourself to death and you're stressed out about your health condition because you just can't find answers. 
I hear that from so many of you. All of that is going to compound on top of each other and cause massive amounts of hair loss, hair shedding, hair thinning, and just low quality hair in general. Now, I'm not going to go into the standard things you you know, using heat, over blow drying, over bleaching, over coloring, getting the Brazilian blowout. You know that those things damage your hair. You know that. I wanted to go over the internal biological, biochemical processes that can affect hair growth and hair loss. And now I want to move into the remedies. So of course, everything that we just talked about now, check those boxes. There's your remedy right there. Get your thyroid optimized, get your hormones optimized, make sure your ferritin level's up and running, lower your insulin. Don't be walking around insulin resistant, type 2 diabetic state, eating your standard American diet, high processed foods, not going to work not going to work for your hair. If you're a vegan or vegetarian, it's not going to work. You got to get the protein and you have to do all the things that we just talked about. Now let's move into some other factors that maybe you haven't considered and some solutions that you can start implementing right now. Nick Andrews, thank you so much for coming on to give your side of the story of all about hair loss, because I know you've been in this world, diving deep with your scientific background for years And you were with a variety of different companies that really looked at this problem of hair loss with men and women. And through your experience, I mean, you developed a solution that we're going to talk about here at the end that I think will really give people hope that there is something that is peptide-based, not chemical-based, without the side effects that we're seeing in some of the -the over-counter, over-the-counter medications, as well as the prescription medications that a lot of docs are using to combat this hair loss component. So Nick, thank you so much for jumping on. I'm super excited about this conversation because this is a huge problem. It's big. And thank you, Dr. Amy. It's always a pleasure. I love your podcast. So it's, it, it's a good topic, right? I mean, when I first, you know, people started asking me about hair, I just kind of don't really care, right? Like I, I got plenty and it's not going anywhere. When I actually stopped and took a look at it, you know, just from the technical aspect, I mean, it, it's phenomenally complex when you get into the actual biology of hair and hair loss. So it was fascinating once I finally dived into it. So I talked a little bit in the beginning of the podcast about the different factors that are involved in hair loss. And you and I talked a little bit about those too. So let's briefly go over them, even if I've touched on them already, because you're really big into the diet, the lifestyle component, and using that in conjunction with any kind of topical therapeutic solution that people might try out to see if that helps them. Yeah, absolutely. And an easy example to really illustrate it for people is think type two diabetes. You can have type two diabetes and, you know, if you, you know, basically went keto, cut all carbs out of your diet, you know, you, you functionally don't, in most cases, don't actually need any active treatment for diabetes. And in some people it will reverse. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example of how both diet and lifestyle are foundational to anything, or really any sort of biological or medical state of yourself. Now, so with the people, and that totally makes sense with the people that you work with, are you seeing more of like crappy diet, lack of protein, hormone imbalance? Like what are you seeing the most for the causes of hair loss? You know, I'd probably put it into two groups. The one is just very high stress, very high cortisol. You you get the type A people who are going 100 miles an hour, you know, 25 hours a day. And, you know, if you have the genetic predisposition, there's probably going to be a cost for that sooner or later. 
at least from my observations, is this certainly isn't, you know, like medical stats or anything. Those guys tend to have, or females in some cases, tend to have less of an issue with hormonal imbalance. And it's just, they are producing so much cortisol all the time because, you know, they're busy trying to take over the world. And uh, then you have the other subset, at least from the people I speak to, people I've helped and worked with, is more of a combination of both hormonal and diet. And it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because, you know, if somebody's, at least in the in the spheres we both tend to travel in, you know, people who are the more type A, super driven, they're already keeping themselves physiologically dialed in any way they have to, to be running at that level. So it, it's almost a, a self-solving issue to some point. Whereas the other group, not busy trying to take over the world. So they're not trying to have every little aspect of their life dialed in. And with modern diets and just modern lifestyles, people stuck behind a desk all day long, it's real easy to just have that lifestyle bite you in the rear end. You know, are you getting enough activity? This You could do a whole other podcast on this is most people eat plenty, right? But if you actually look at most people, they're actually borderline starvation from a, a nutrient position. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I totally agree with the two kind of categories, two subsets of people. And I never thought about splitting it up that way. But, and and I never thought about the nutrient deficiency. I mean, we always think about the standard American diet as being so calorically excessive, right? I mean, people are just eating 3,000, 4,000 calories of garbage. But you're right. When we look at the nutrient status and the protein status, those are both in the tank. I mean, they're they're very, very low, which can absolutely affect the hair shaft, right? Yeah, well, here's an easy example. It's wild. Anybody can look this up on the internet. If you look at the nutrient contents of an apple from the early 1900s, when they first started measuring that, you would need three to four apples now to get the same amount of nutrients from one apple at that point in time. So, you know, you you just kind of multiply that out and people may be eating more, but they're still getting, you know, who knows what the real fraction is, but you know, a third, a fourth, a fifth of the nutrients that anything about it. That's why, you know, if you really get into it, that's why some people are so constantly hungry. They're craving nutrients. Their body's just telling them to eat and they don't know what, and the food they're eating just isn't supplying the nutrients and it becomes a vicious cycle. Now, what about those high sugar, high carbohydrate processed foods? Are you actually seeing an inflammation at the follicle level? Is that possible as well? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You know, high carbohydrate diets in most people, and obviously you have a very educated audience and, you know, you you do have that specific niche. You have high performance athletes who purposely cycle through very high carbohydrate periods for recovery and so on and so forth. But outside of that, because that's a very tiny exception, um, a high carbohydrate diet, especially with processed foods, is systemically inflammatory in every system in your body. and you know, if you think about hair, it's not only the hair follicle, it's also the microvasculature that's supplying the blood to it. And that actually, so that's part of the major cascade is once that uh, microvascularization either becomes inhibited, inflamed, or, you know, some way blocked, you that's where you get the runaway DHT buildup. And, you know, then it starts getting really hard to deal with. So not to jump ahead here, but, you know, look at minoxidil. What's the primary reason minoxidil works? Vasodilation. 
So if you're eating a high carbohydrate diet, that's generally inflammatory. That's also inflammatory to your cardiovascular system, which is already starting the process of reducing blood flow to one of the areas of your, your body that has the most restricted blood flow being your scalp. Mm-hmm. And I always say the body is so smart that it's going to know, listen, if this person is in a detrimental health state where blood flow is starting to slow down, circulation problems are starting to occur, don't really need the circulation to go to the head, right? I mean, the body knows that you don't need your hair to survive. You would like your hair, but you don't need it for survival. So I would think that that would be the first place that would shut down in terms of circulation when the body is trying to hold on for dear life based on what that individual is putting in their mouth. Yeah, and a good example of that is think of the uh, the shock reaction to cold water. Your body essentially closes off all the capillaries to your extremities to keep all the blood at the core to protect your body temperature. Same concept. And the thing with hair in the scalp is there's a ring of muscle that runs right around the top of your scalp. It almost looks like a crown. If you look at a physiology diagram Mm -hmm. and that pulls your scalp tight, like a snare drum, it also restricts blood flow. And that's actually been illustrated. There've been studies where they've done Botox injections into that muscle around the scalp and it'll actually stimulate hair growth. It's not the Botox. It's actually the increased blood flow. Suddenly, yeah, it, it, you know, it's like somebody being choked, you know, like they're, they haven't passed out yet, but they're getting pretty close. And in the case of Botox, well, now just took all the pressure off. So now they can breathe again. Yes, that totally makes sense because they use Botox for migraines. So it would relax those muscles around the scalp and essentially allow more blood flow. And I guess that's why they also say to massage your scalp for better hair, whether you're using a product or not, getting that that mechanical action at the scalp level is going to improve blood flow to the area. Oh, absolutely. So one challenge with that though, and this is actually a a common conversation for people who are, is just starting to deal with hair loss and, you know, how they want to go about it is they will start doing any sort of, um, we'll say manual manipulation of the scalp, whether it's massage, you can get the little rollers, mm-hmm. um, you can even get the red light things that are like the, the pressure point things too on your head. And they'll be like, oh my God, it's causing me to lose my hair. Right. Because they start seeing shedding. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's actually important for people to realize that's hair that was already lost. It was still mechanically attached to the scalp but the follicle was essentially already dead. It was just residual mechanical connection. And essentially it was coming out anyway. If you're gonna engage in massage or any sort of, we'll say mechanical manipulation of the scalp and you're dealing with hair loss, just understand you probably will notice some shedding at first, but understand what it is. It's not additional hair loss. You are actually improving the state of your scalp. It's just, somebody who hasn't exfoliated in a long time, but still showers every day. The first time you exfoliate, you're going to be like, oh my God, like what's coming off of me? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Now, would that be the same if someone starts to use a topical product? We're going to talk about Fulton in a minute, but let's say someone starts to use Fulton or any topical product. And I mean, the goal is obviously to get it into the scalp. You don't want to just put it on, let it sit there. You want to actually rub it into the scalp. 
they're also going and not necessarily even that that manipulation. I understand what you're saying there because I, I've heard that from my patients too. It's a big freak out. It's a big freak out when they get this glob of hair on their hands, right? But even just the process of improving circulation to the scalp, I talk about that that hair growth cycle, the dormant state, the falling out state, the growing state. Well, that cycle slows down. Maybe they're hypothyroid and everything is low and slow. Maybe they don't have proper circulation. Everything is low and slow. And then all of a sudden, okay, you start fixing their thyroid. That's better. You start improving circulation through whatever technique it is, topical, manual, whatever. All of a sudden, that hair growth cycle is going to speed up. And just like you said with the manual manipulation, they're going to be like, oh my God, I'm losing all this hair. No, you're not. You're just now kicking into normal gear of that hair growth cycle. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at a lot of the mainstream products, everybody plays games around the wording because everybody wants immediate results. But if you actually go look at their own information, most of them will generally say, expect, you know, observable results in three to six months. And, you know, for example, in Fallopin, you know, we have people who have seen results in, in two weeks. Right. But the reality is, and this goes exactly to your point, I would almost use the analogy of going, you know, getting into the gym when you haven't gone in a long time or regularly. You know, the first few days you're going to feel great. And then suddenly you're going to be so stiff you can barely move. And you're going to say, oh, my God, like, like there's something wrong. This, this isn't working. No, like you're resetting an entire routine. So you're going to have an up and a down and probably another up and maybe another down in the very beginning, you basically have to get to that steady state. Totally and makes sense. That And, you know, everybody wants to know how, how long, right? Right. And right. that's where the answer, which nobody wants, is it depends, right? What's your lifestyle? What's your nutrition status? What's your hormone status? Are you, you know, super high cortisol? It's, you know, and, you know, people think cortisol, um, you know, like, you know, Mr. Wall Street trader, super alpha dude. But... It's not just that. I, I mean, look how many people deal with anxiety, uh, you know, especially women, right? And, you know, I've had conversations with women. Well, you know, I don't think cortisol is a problem for me. And you're like, do you deal with a lot of anxiety? Like, life is tough, right? Like, no judgment there. It happens to all of us. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of anxiety, you know, building up when certain stuff is going on. Okay, that's cortisol. I'm so happy you broke it down like that because you are right. I think too many people think of stress, quote unquote, or high cortisol as something big happening, a death, a divorce, loss of a job, or like you said, that that Wall Street guy, the go-getter, he's not sleeping, he's sleeping three hours a night, but it's not just that. That ongoing anxiety or even the heightened anxiety that you're dealing with, whether you're an entrepreneur, mom, whatever, that's enough to kick up cortisol and really affect the hair follicle. I mean, you know what? A mom is an amazing example. I only know this secondhand because I have children, obviously. I'm not a mom, but, <laughs> you know, how many things does a mom worry about? You know, does, like, what's, is the kid's laundry done? You know, do they have a play date today? Like, where do they have to be tomorrow? Like, you run down the list. How can you not have some anxiety going on? Holy cow. Right. And then the last couple of years, my God, are they going to go to school? Do I have to homeschool them? Are they going to get sick? Like, can they see their friends, right? And all yep. the different things that came with that. And we saw a lot of hair loss over the last three years, big time. And to your point too, it was always that three to six month. 
So talking about the last three years in COVID, when you got COVID, when I got COVID, it was that three month mark. And then it was another weird, like nine months later, I had another like effect from having it nine months ago that my hair would just break in two and fall out. Like it was the strangest thing, but it was obviously being affected. It absolutely, you know, I mean, it's, it's documented up, down, left, and right that it impacts the uh, endothelium, the, the lining of the blood vessels. So, you know, right there, you know, you, you have essentially wear and tear, damage, you know, whatever term you want to use. I don't want to, you know, get too deep into the connotations there. But, you know, it's going to impact quality of circulation, especially in areas with restricted blood flow. Not, not to sidetrack entirely, there are multiple hair loss solutions out there, but kind of getting back to nutrient diet lifestyle, for example, like COVID. So some people may be familiar with this, some people not. Grapeseed extract is phenomenal for the health of the endothelium and actually helps regenerate. Okay. So you're experiencing some hair loss post-COVID or just in general, realistically, something that's going to support your uh, cardiovascular system, especially something like the endothelium, the lining of the blood vessels, is going to help the situation. Yeah, there are actually a couple, there are two big brands right now out there on the market for hair loss that are oral supplements. Yeah, I've had some people use them. Meh, so-so results, right? I mean, personal opinion, you know, I'm not going to start pointing fingers at specific names, but I mean, if you really look at the ingredients, it's great marketing, but you could probably do a lot better on what's actually in there. But the, the principle in and of itself is legitimate. The execution, that's that's a separate discussion. But solid supplementation absolutely impacts both hair quality and hair loss, because this is probably more so for women, just because women are more observant about their appearance than men are. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, women notice hair quality decrease occurring before hair loss even starts. Whereas men are just like, oh, crap, I got a bald spot. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But when you're starting to see that, especially in women, since they do notice hair quality far sooner than men do, is... Like right there, just by dialing in your nutrients, any supplementation you want to do, that alone is going to help the situation. Is it going to solve it? Nobody can guarantee that. It depends on so many factors, but it will absolutely help the situation. Uh, And I'm so happy that you mentioned the spike protein. I'm totally going to circle back around to that. I feel more comfortable talking about it now that I'm not going to get shut down because even if you do a search on Google, you're going to find some crap on there. That's going to be kind of eye-opening. So with the spike protein, one thing that I've been telling my people, my listeners, my patients, anybody who got the vaccine. Yeah, I said it. Anybody who got the vaccine. And I said this on my All About Weight Loss episode too. We are seeing an impairment of normal body function. Now, maybe you don't have the myocarditis. Maybe you haven't, you know, if you're listening to this, you haven't died you know, you're, you're not right. You're, you're not dealing with blood clots or anything like that. But if you're just dealing with weight loss resistance and hair loss, again, for a woman, that's enough to send her over the edge. Right. So we know that this is a problem and kind of springboarding off what you said, Nick, the spike protein, are we seeing it? We're seeing it affect circulation. So hundred percent, 
that will now affect hair growth and hair loss and the quality of the follicle. Mm-hmm. Are you also seeing that spike protein literally attacking? Are we are we seeing some alopecia from it? Are we seeing an increase in in the autoimmune hair loss component? So you're definitely seeing it through autoimmune because that's that's well documented that to throw around a fancy term, IgG4, basically it's a certain type of immune uh, response that the vaccine tends to stimulate. The problem with it is it essentially leads to at least some degree of autoimmune state. Um, additionally, though, what's hitting a lot of people, especially with regard to hair and COVID and the vaccine, is that the spike protein inhibits, damages mitochondrial function. And if you look at hair loss, even in a best case situation, you know, COVID never existed in the first place. A big aspect of, of hair loss is a loss of mitochondrial function, which is part of the cascade of hair loss. Mm-hmm. Now, in a, in a perfect case, the decrease of mitochondrial function is more related to diet, restricted blood flow, so on and so forth. But now when we add another component that directly damages, inhibits mitochondrial function, you know, it, you got a problem. Yeah. So, you know, as an example, what I, I you know, have seen help uh, people with just their general health state, as well as actually regrowing hair is NAD. And that's usually done as an IV infusion or a sub-Q injection, not mm-hmm. the cheapest thing in the world. Not everybody's looking to play with needles. The interesting thing is I have spoken to a, a few people, and this is entirely anecdotal, you have iontophoresis patches. It's the little patch that goes on your arm and it basically has a battery in it. it. uses an electric current to push whatever's loaded into it, into your bloodstream. Yeah. Um, using that for NAD, I, I, it's funny. I, I, I've seen some really big changes in people with that. And it's it's not magic. It It's not going to happen in five minutes or one day. Most people, it's funny. Other people will usually see it in them before they see them themselves. They're like, wow, you're just like really perky all day long. And after a couple of days, they're like, wow, like I I feel really good. Yeah. Because, you know, suddenly you're directly doing something to improve mitochondrial function, which is going to help hair. It's going to help everything, fat loss, hormonal status, everything. Wow. No, that's a big deal. I'm mean, all right, that's a whole nother podcast for sure. But no, I love that you're talking about all these things because I want, I want to be real with my audience. I I I make these, I record these podcasts with my patients in mind. And if I record that, if I record with my patients in mind and what their woes are and the roadblocks they're running into, then I know it's reaching the masses because they are a subset of everyone that listens. Mm -hmm. And I hear the, the frustration sometimes of, but my hair just isn't growing. You know, we're three months in, we're six months in, we fixed my thyroid, we fixed my hormones, everything is balanced. I got my diet and lifestyle under control. What else could it be? And that's why I brought up the spike protein because sometimes it is something entirely different. It's something else that you did or voluntarily, not voluntarily, whatever, that is now affecting your body. So we have to lay all the things out on the table before we get into what you can do about it. Because people need to realize, yeah, you might be doing all the things that we talk about here and there might be something still in the mix that is causing an issue. So whether it's blood flow, spike protein, lack of NAD, mitochondrial function, whatever it is. Yeah, the patches are newer. They are ionthophoresis patches. Uh, I think there's currently like 
one or two big brands. Um, they all are uh, considered medical devices. So you, you do have to get them through a doctor. You can't just buy them, but okay. easy enough to get. Is the, the cool thing is, if you look into the data out there, by increasing NAD, you're basically improving all your body system. So essentially giving your body more fuel because NAD is the primary fuel for the mitochondria, which powers everything in your body. So as you give your body basically more gasoline to run the engine, it, it can self-repair more effectively any single system that's having a problem. So you're not going to say NAD fixes hair loss, NAD fixes stiff joints, NAD fixes hormone function. No, not directly. What it's doing is giving your body the additional energy because for whatever reason, your energy production is compromised. And now that it actually has the energy, you know, your body has countless regeneration pathways and redundant pathways. It just needs the energy to use them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially once you get into more middle age and older, you know, I, I actually absolutely love NAD. You know, I, I think it's great for supporting somebody working with hair loss, but honestly for any health condition, because you may have some other core therapy treatment, you know, protocol you're following. NAD is going to do nothing but help Wow. I didn't know it was that powerful. Again, yeah. I'm going to have to bring you back on just talk about NAD. <laughs> because I, we, you know, there's a lot out there. Like you said, there's the supplements that I've heard, eh, so-so, kind of, sort of. There's the, obviously, the peptide injectables. There's the IV infusions, like you mentioned. And I, actually, I have on my table right now an NAD patch from a new company that I'm going to try out that it supposedly kind of works like that. It doesn't have the... What did you call it? Ionophoresis? Yeah, iontophoresis. Iontophoresis. It doesn't have like anything that pushes it in, but it is a patch that I mix a couple things and put it on the patch and then leave it on. I'll see. I'll see. So I'll be I'll be back to the listeners with a, a report on that. But I find that fascinating that there's, it's like it's starting to come into mainstream a little bit more. So I'm happy that there is an answer out there that almost might be getting a little more affordable too. Yeah, I, you know, to be honest, I'm not up to speed on what the pricing of, of those are. I, I'll be transparent. I use NAD on a fa- fairly regular basis, mm-hmm. but I tend to go sub-Q. You know, yeah. I'm a peptide guy anyway, so with yeah. a little bit more. With the, the patches, and there are a couple of technologies out there around the patches. One thing to keep in mind is from a few doctors that work with them that I've spoken to, and I've played with myself and, yeah. you know, some other people in my circles. Basically, the more optimal health state you are, the longer it's going to take for you to really notice. Yeah. Because you're fairly optimized. So your body's not right. like, holy cow, I finally had gas in the engine again. If you're having a really hard training day, yes, you'll feel it. But you know, maybe on a more normal day, you'll be like, yeah, I don't really know. Just another um, day. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've taken people in my family who not really optimize, more of kind of the, the standard American lifestyle put one of the patches on them in the morning and literally a couple hours later, I'm like, be kind of buzzing around the place like a bumblebee here. And, and it's funny because they're not, you know, people really aren't into their health status. Most people don't really kind of pay attention to how they're feeling. And they're suddenly like, wow, like, yeah, I feel good. (laughs) So it's, you just got to keep that in mind is because a lot of people are like, well, I didn't, I don't feel anything in five minutes. It's the same thing with hair loss, right? That, that's a constant conversation. Well, I use it, it's been a week and, you know, it doesn't work because I don't see anything. 
Right. Realistically, you're not going to, very, very few people will see anything in a week with any product. Very true. Very true. And you are the peptide guy. So that brings us into the discussion of Fulton, which I'm super excited about. I have tried it. That's why I wanted to bring you on to really talk about this little bad boy being a solid answer for a lot of people. So my first experience with it, you guys sent it to me, tried it out, right? I'm skeptical on everything. Anything that I try, I'm skeptical. But because it was based in peptide, I love peptides like you. I'm, I'm, I'll inject them all, try them out, whatever. But because it was based in peptides, I was super excited because I know that that really is the future. I, I would say the future of medicine is peptides. The future of our health is peptide therapy. So to put it into something topical, that's really exciting. Something that can actually help the hair follicle. And I might be speaking out of term, but for me, I'll just say my experience with it was that I was having, and you guys timed it perfectly. I told you this, I was having like a crappy hair time. It wasn't that I was losing hair. It was more that the follicle itself had gotten really thin, really kind of wispy. It almost reminded me back when I had COVID and I have no idea why. I've been seeing the same hair girl now for 28 years. So every time I see her, she's like, well, when I see her, when my hair is crappy, she's like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not that I'm not eating protein. I am optimized. Just whatever happened in my life caused me to have that crappy hair state. And I started using Folatin and I kid you not, it was like within three weeks. So it was, I was one of the quick ones because again, it's not like I had a bald spot. Within three weeks, my hair was back to life again. I mean, it really was like that thin, wispy stuff on top was plump and nice and laid nicely again. I could style it again. It didn't feel like it was, I was wrapping straw around the, the curling iron. I mean, it was awesome. So let's talk a lot deeper about this product because I'm super excited about it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, let's kind of start with peptides, right? What's the What's the the core mechanism, you know, method of action of peptides is generally speaking, they they more or less all work in a regenerative manner. There are lots of compounds people can use for health, for medical purposes, for performance. And in a lot of cases, a lot of those compounds, to use a car analogy, are, are like putting nitrous in the engine. You're not helping it, you're just forcing it to go faster through one mechanism or another. That's why peptides are so amazing, right? Because they're not forcing something out of the ordinary. Generally speaking, they're turning on your body's own repair mechanisms. So as you know, a common question with peptides is, okay, well, if this is so good, it's got to have all these side effects. And you're like, well, really besides, you know, injection site reaction, yeah, there aren't really any side effects. And I'm speaking very broadly then you have to explain the reason for that is that it's not really the peptide that's doing anything. The, the peptide is turning on your body's own repair mechanisms and your body knows how to fix itself. You know, where, how, what, exactly what to do. Sometimes it just needs a, a poke in the rear end to be like, hey, 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 hey go, go do your job. Um, or, you know, wear and tear through time. Those pathways just aren't as responsive anymore. So now they, once again, they need a bit of a kick in the butt to really get them going. So, you know, if you look at hair loss, generally speaking, outside of getting into something like uh, PRP, almost any hair loss therapy, it, it is not regenerative. You're forcing a state. So if you have a DHT blocker, 
you're using a chemical method to forcibly block a hormone. If you're using minoxidil, you know, you're using a compound that's a forcible vasodilator. So yes, yeah, so they, they work and those effects are very real. And then as soon as you stop taking them, the effect goes away. And the issue, and this is with not just hair loss, this is with, we'll say any exogenous compound, any external compound you're taking mm-hmm. that's forcing something in your body, your body is always working to maintain balance. And our balance, and th- th- that's the challenge with hormones, right? Because everybody's natural balance point is different. There is no one answer. Right. But when you push against it through an artificial means, the second you stop pushing, your body pushes back even harder. You know, think about the stereotypical bodybuilder using, you know, extreme super physiological levels of hormones. Right. And, you know, they come off them and for what maybe they have a health issue or just decide to get out of bodybuilding. And, you know, they're 400 pounds six months later, not muscle, or suddenly they have heart issues or endocrine issues. And, you know, their body pushed back because they've been pushing back all the time. It was just balanced by the uh, exogenous, the external compounds. Same principle with hair loss, because people are like, I'm going to use minoxidil, I'm going to use finasteride. And maybe it works at first, like a common with finasteride, like, hey, you know, maybe I'm having, you know, issues of personal intimacy with my significant other. Maybe it's just impacting my mood, you know, my, just my, my drive in life, whatever else, but crap, if I stopped using it, like I'm going to start losing hair really fast. Right. There are two points to that is that that's where Follotin is different. Follotin takes the peptide approach and let's not force your body to do something let's come up with something we can give it that actually helps it rebuild its own systems so it can do the repair on its own. In this case, regrow hair. The other interesting thing about that approach is that it can actually be paired with, I actually haven't seen of any or thought of any, we'll say hair treatments that it actually can't be paired with at this point. So you're on minoxidil, you're on finasteride, I don't recommend this to people. I'm, I'm not a personal fan of minoxidil or finasteride, but from real world results, from conversations I've had with uh, some of the customers who've already bought it, they actually see accelerated results with the, the mainstream compounds, right? Right. Because the mainstream compounds have their forcing action, but at the same time, follotin is helping to regenerate the underlying structures of the follicle and the scalp. So they're like, wow, it's like, it, it put this stuff on turbocharge. Yeah. At the same time, it gives you an option for coming off. Like, hey, you know, finasteride, just I'm having too many hormonal effects or for whatever reason, I don't want to be on it. I'm sure you've talked about this, but finasteride, unfortunately, and there's a big study being done on this. It hasn't been released yet, but I have seen some of the data is finasteride massively accelerates cellular aging. Oh, wow. That's not good. If you start looking at telomeres and biological age, Mm -hmm. finasteride massively accelerates it. So, you know, just one more reason, you know, you probably don't want to be on it, quite honestly. Right. But, you know, look, I I get it. We all have to be realistic. Both you and I would probably be in a tough spot in that situation, right? I don't, I shouldn't really be on this, but I don't really want to lose my hair. So like, what what am I, it's a tough spot. What are your choices? Well, fortunately now, like, you know, we can help you with that because by bringing follow-up in on, then the exact method procedure you follow is, 
is honestly going to vary from person to person. But generally speaking, you would start using it in conjunction, then anywhere over from one to three weeks, just slowly ease off of whether it was the minoxidil or finasteride, and maintain the volatin for anywhere from one to three months. And realistically, you're going to keep most of what you had. Okay. Well, that's exciting. And well, the other thing to mention with finasteride is that it has a large suicidal ideation component to it. So, I mean, we know a couple of people that knew people that either committed suicide or had suicidal thoughts. So it's, it's, it's a pretty scary drug, but you are right, Nick, that, and, and I said this earlier, the weight loss and the hair loss are the two biggest things that consume, especially a female patient, female audience, and they will almost do anything. So, right. When you give them the, I can save your hair, but you might age a lot quicker they're going to choose the hair, right? The same thing we're seeing with some of the, like the GLPs, like we can help you lose weight, but you might lose lean muscle mass and get Manjaro face. Well, take the weight loss and I'll roll that (laughs) dice, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's a common issue, right? Just because something is doable, is it practical? It's that hard gray area, right? It's people being, oh, it's, it's easy to be, you know, shredded and have the perfect physique. You know, I, I just do this, 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 and this. Well, yes, technically they're right, but the reality of somebody's lifestyle to what's actually practical for them yeah. is actually an entirely separate question. Right. So that's why I'm 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 so excited about folatin because it's safe. You know, it's based in peptides. We can't mm-hmm. go into every single peptide that's in it because this is a, a patent formula, but the ones that are in it, you know, some of them people will know from reading about peptides or if they've listened to anything on peptides, you have the heavy hitters in there that are known to stimulate regrowth of hair and actually help the skin too, which there's a whole skin line that you guys have too, that we won't even get into today. We'll get into that down the road. I'm using that too. And I'm pretty pumped up, but no, the, the folatin in and of itself for hair regrowth is just, I mean, it's fascinating and it just looks so promising. So yeah. promising. I mean, so, you know, absolute transparency. Kind of like you said in the beginning, I'm a big fan of skepticism, if nothing else, because, you know, I know I've heard you say variations of this before. Not everything works for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, being skeptical is good, right? Uh, just because something works great for you. Maybe I'm like, eh, not so much for me. Right. So try it. And yeah, the, the, the key thing about skepticism is, and not to get on a rant here is I think a lot of people do it the wrong way. Being a skeptic, being skeptical about things is good, but you don't do it in negative fashion. You, you do it by, you know, just being aware of the state of whatever it is you're engaging. So, okay, here's how my hair normally is. Let me really pay attention to it for the next month or two while I'm doing this. Yeah. So versus being like, ah, oh, it's probably not going to work. And then just doing it anyway, you know, that gets into the, the psychology and placebo effect. Like if you've already made up your mind, something probably doesn't work, even if it's not going to work. They've done, it's actually <laughs> wild. They've done studies on this, you know, through multiple things. Somebody has a mindset going in that something's not going to work. Even if it works, they're blind to it. They don't see it. So they're like, oh yeah, it was garbage. You know, meanwhile, like, for example, with, uh, I think, they actually did a study like that with weight loss. They put them on a regime 
and uh, die at exercise the whole nine yards and said, this probably isn't going to work, but you're the control. They really weren't the control. And they had them go through it. And they're like, so, you know, don't expect any weight loss. And they would weigh them, but not show them the numbers. And I forget what it was after like six weeks, 12 weeks, they'd be like, so, so you know, how, how do you think you did? Eh, yeah, I, I don't really think I lost any weight. And they're like, yeah, you all actually drop body fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The mind is that powerful. It really is. No, I would absolutely say go into any new therapy. My God, I mean, whether you're whether you're working with me and we're optimizing your thyroid and hormones, you're trying a new topical solution for your hair loss, you have to go in expecting the best. And then if something doesn't work, then we shift. And that's even what I tell my patients. Listen, we're going to do all the things. You could look great on paper, but if something isn't working, we have to look deeper. We have to shift something. So maybe it's, and you've talked about this forever, the whole combination. You can't just do a topical solution like Folatin and be eating like garbage. Those two are not going to go together. So you could all day say, well, I didn't see anything. Well, yeah, no kidding. Cause you're eating all the processed foods and the grains and the carbs and the sugar. <laughs> it's not going to work together. You're damaging faster than you're healing. So you have to do everything together. The both and principle, both we have to do both the lifestyle component and the treatment solution. But when you go into it and you really try it, you can see a difference. Like you have seen hair regrowth. And is this the case as long as there's the follicle, right? So if we're talking dudes who are, you know, Teddy Savalas bald, right? There are no, there are no little dots in the head. There are no follicles. They're bald. They're not going to get regrowth, right? You have to have the follicle. So here's the interesting thing is generally I would tell somebody don't expect a lot from it. If you want to give it a shot, go for it. But there's actual research that everybody will know this is in it. There's no secret because it's blue, which means there's GHKCU in it, right? Yes, there is. So GHKCU, there are actually some studies that over a long enough period of time, it turns out not all the follicles are dead. They basically miniaturize and you can't tell they're there anymore. But over a long enough period of time of you know a regenerative approach, you can re-stimulate growth in some of them. Does that mean they're going to have a full head of hair? Almost certainly not. So the short answer is the real world result is most likely no. If you're somebody who's super committed and you're like, dude, I'm I'm just an optimizer and I want to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And you're committed enough to it, you may actually be able to get something out of it. Oh, that's very cool. I'm so happy you said GHKCU because I thought it was obvious because it's blue. <laughs> but I mean, that's one of my absolute favorite peptides. Favorite, favorite for all things like skin, hair. Oh my God. It's so amazing. I was talking to a a doctor actually yesterday who hadn't heard of GHKCU copper peptide. And I mentioned it to him and he's like, hold on, let me Google this. And it it was funny because it was almost like a comedy routine. Like he starts reading down the screen. I was on a a zoom call with him and he's like, wait, it it does this and that (laughs) and this, hold on. I'm not done on the list. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a big one. It is. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I think when I looked it up too, this particular peptide has been around for a very long time. I want to say the seventies, but it could be before that. And I remember when I was looking it up, I'm getting pissed that nobody told me about this. They're always pushing the retinol, right? For the skin because GHKCU is fantastic for hair and skin. They're always pushing the retin-A, the retinol, 
I can't do that to save my life. My skin immediately goes red, flaky. I don't care if it's the lowest concentration, whatever. GHK, when you start reading the studies on GHKCU, it's better than retinol. I mean, the cell turnover, the collagen production, the wrinkle reduction. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, my my best guess on that, because you're right, GHKCU first, I guess they really started looking at it from more of a commercial perspective in the late 70s. So 50 years ago at this point, I was curious, right? Well, why has nobody done anything with this stuff for freaking 50 years? And honestly, the best I ever came up with is that the cosmetics industry, they don't like things with strong colors. Yeah, they, they want it white or off-white because, and I've seen this firsthand with our products. People see something with a blue color. Oh my God, is it going to stain something blue? Right. And just put your marketing hat on. And because fundamentally, cosmetic companies are marketing companies. Cosmetics are really secondary. If you look at them, they're really just giant marketing firms that happen to sell cosmetics. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I completely get it because you just put a barrier in front of your potential customer to buy it. Oh my God, is it going to stain? Right. No, it doesn't right. stain anything. But yeah, I mean, it, it blows your mind. You know, I had a friend who had a very, very severe uh, burn up and down most of his arm and did something stupid and opened a radiator cap when he shouldn't have. And th- this was several years ago before we really knew each other. And unfortunately, he does have some scarring on it. And I'm thinking, I'm like, my God, it, like it, if you had just basically completely slathered his arm in GHKCU and put a dressing on it, he would have had no scarring. You know, he wouldn't have lost something like two thirds of his skin on his arm sloughing off from the skin mm-hmm. damage. I'm sure you know this, but one of the really cool things, and this is why GHKCU actually stops sunburns, is any sort of burn, most injuries, it's not instantaneous. Similar issue with, with hair loss, since you know, we're not trying to get too far afield here. It's a process. Most things in your body is a, a process. So yes, you were outside. Yes, you had excessive UV exposure. But the development of the sunburn is a cellular cascade that has to go through step after step after step. Well, GHKCU actually interrupts that and says, well, hold up. Don't go down the damage pathway. Instead, hang a right and let's go down the repair pathway. Mm, okay. That's why it works so well. I love that. Yeah. So it, it literally interrupts the signaling that's saying, hey, calls all the inflammatory and damage response. Just, nope, let's just turn that off and let's just turn on the regeneration response and skip the damage part. So it totally makes sense why it would help with hair loss as well as the actual quality of the follicle. So that's what I experienced at least. So yeah, yeah, interesting. And this makes sense when you think about it. Anecdotally, uh, people tend to see, or women tend to see results faster with follicle than men do. And it makes sense when you think about it, because if you're experiencing a degradation in hair quality or outright hair loss, even in women, there is a DHT component. But mm-hmm. in women, obviously, it is massively smaller than in men. So, you know, it's a, there are multiple pathways in hair loss. DHT is absolutely one of them, but it's not the foundational one. That's just what people are used to hearing. So if, if you have you know, guys basically end up with an extra roadblock in the hair loss battle that a lot of women don't have, which is, you know, makes perfect sense why you see women tend to respond faster. Right. I love it. 
Well, all the women can do is try it out and let us know. Well, the women and the men. We're not we're not specific for women, but the majority of my listeners are women. And that's where I really hear the complaints from about the hair loss. So they just have to try it and let us know. But you got to go in with a good attitude, open-minded, and give it a shot because this could be the one answer. And as long as you're stacking it with all the other things, like the lifestyle components. So that has to be said again and again and again. And I love the product so much, I decided to carry it on my store. So we're going to put the link in the show notes of where people can find it. But this is just huge, huge. I think this is the next next thing in the answer to hair loss. Well, thank you. One thing I do want to throw out for people is something that is going to help anybody who's using it is microneedling or dermal rolling. You know, mm-hmm. the terms also used interchangeably. A common question is, you know, well, what size needle do I need to use? You know, it, if you're working uh, with a healthcare professional, there can be more of a discussion around that because you can use longer needles, but then, you know, you, you want the proper guidance. But really, anybody can use a 0.25 millimeter you know, dermal roller needle, micro needle, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to be worried about damaging the scalp and it will absolutely improve the results. Well, yeah, because you're creating those little micro tears or micro holes mm-hmm. in the scalp. And then when you apply the product, mm-hmm. it gets down in a little bit more. So if they micro needle, will they have to do the the manual massage as much or can they just kind of micro needle and then put it on, just let it like kind of pat it in? So. Yeah, with women, I think massage is a little more important because the reality is it it can be a little more challenging for women because you have a much larger volume of hair. And the reality yeah. is, even if you're taking like a fine tooth comb and you're like carefully parting to get to the scalp, the, the shaft of the hair, especially, you know, your hair is gorgeous. Look at your hair. With, with hair like that, the, the shaft of the hair itself is going to begin to absorb some of the follicle. Yeah. So, you know, if you have thick hair like I do in the case of a guy or hair like yours more in the case of a woman, you know, you still want to do the massage just because if you're going to leave it sit there, just through the natural absorption action, whether it's water or anything else, the shaft of the hair is going to start soaking stuff up. Right. I'd rather be helping it into the scalp instead of just hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. This went longer than I anticipated, but I loved it. It was a fantastic conversation. So we had to keep going. And you just shared so much great information that people can absorb and take in and make changes and try out and really see if they can't make a a difference in their hair. So thank you for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And one last thing I'll add is for women. You know, the, the current fault in, you know, the, the needle nose bottle comes in, it is usable. It's not the best format for women, especially if they're dressing more hair quality or just the very, very early stage of uh, hair loss. Mm-hmm. Over the next six months, we'll, we will be working to uh, launch uh, basically a leave-in conditioner that uses the same principles because fault in works in the scalp, not the hair, right? But right. with the leave-in conditioner and, you know, I've learned through all this how complex women's hair care and beauty routines can be, and I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whether it's once a week, twice a week, whatever works in a woman's normal, you know, hair care and beauty routine, you know, you can do this. And is it going to change everything overnight? No. But as you saw firsthand, it absolutely will at least begin to improve the quality and improve the general conditions and the state of the scalp and the follicles. 
Love it. Oh my God, I'm excited for the leave-in hair conditioner. That's so awesome. So awesome. So everybody should be excited. Great things on the horizon and great things available to you right now to put into your protocol.